This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Ops and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. High atop the Oxen Stadium press box overlooking uh, Rich Brooks Field. It's been a while since we've called it that. I, I didn't even necessarily know that's what it was called. Yes. You learn something every day. There's I a see. sign right there. You can't uh, see it. That where helps. Where you're sitting. Uh, Oregon comes out of this football game 9-1, and 7-0 and in Pac-12 play with a 34-6 victory uh, against the Arizona Wildcats. Game started off Really quickly. Yeah. Second play from scrimmage. Uh, Justin Herbert connects with Johnny Johnson for a 73-yard touchdown strike. Uh, that drive, two plays, 75 yards, 32 seconds of action. And then I think Oregon's third drive of the football game, Cyrus Abilakio caps off a 13-play, 76-yard drive. That went six minutes and one second. Uh, and the Ducks go up 14 nothing, And then... Midway through the third quarter, or second quarter, excuse me, uh, Justin Herbert connects with Juwan Johnson, which... Oh, it was a fun play. It might be the play of the year for Oregon. I think so. It well, might be the play of the year in the Pac-12. It will be a runner. It was great. It'll be a contender. Uh, I, double reverse or just a single reverse? Well, the ball touched three different people's hands, right? I think it was Verdell, then over to Jalen Red, then back over to... Herbert, and then to Juwan Johnson. So I guess yeah. four people's hands touched the football on, on the play. So it was a reverse, which then turned into a flea flicker, and Herbert connected with Juwan Johnson on a perfect throw, which yeah. Justin Herbert said he yeah. hit him out of stride. Yeah, it was funny. After the game, I asked him if he could even appreciate it. I mean, that was a 50-yard throw right on the money, and, uh, and Justin basically was like, well, Juwan had to break stride to catch it. So I don't even know if he had to break stride. No. Like, he still caught it. Standing straight up and fell into the end zone. So, uh, from my perspective, couldn't have been much better. Connected on a 53-yard touchdown pass to Jawan Johnson. That puts the Ducks up 21 to nothing. And at that point, it's like, oh boy, here it comes. Here comes mm-hmm. the avalanche. Uh, and then Oregon uh, was able to hold Arizona on a seven-play, 48-yard drive to a field goal, 23-yard field goal by Arizona that made it 21-13. Oregon got the ball back, what looked like maybe a chance to march down the field again, put up, tw- you know, another touchdown, go up 28. That didn't happen, and then uh, some penalties helped Arizona move the ball forward, uh, and the Arizona Wildcats kick a uh, 42-yard field goal as time expires to go into halftime, trailing Oregon 21 to six, and then. Uh, in the third quarter, Oregon got a touchdown pass to Spencer Webb on an 18-yard, 24-yard pass to go up 28 to six. And then on third down, uh, Oregon had perfectly executed a screen pass to Travis Dye for 33 yards for the game's final points of the game uh, to cap off an eight-play, 88-yard drive. 34 to six is your final score. Um, a game in which Eric, like, we were kind of talking about this throughout the game, after the game, walking to media, and then walking out from media into uh, now back to the press box, and that 
Oregon didn't necessarily play their best game and yet won convincingly. Yeah, I don't even. It's kind of hard to explain because you go online and you go onto Duck Territory or on Twitter, wherever you're discussing the game. And I would say at least like it's split. Like most people, though, seem like they're kind of disappointed in how Oregon played, and yet they win 34 to six in a game where like Arizona probably doesn't score a single point if not for a couple of penalties that really help those drives. And offensively, like yeah, they scored five touchdowns, but it really felt. And maybe this is just because they're coming off some really, really good offensive games, but it just really didn't feel like they were ever totally in sync. Like, the running game really never got there. And we should mention, 138 yards rushing for Oregon, but C.J. Verdell, this is becoming a trend here, did not play in the second half for, I think, the fourth time out of six games. He did run for 49 yards in the first half, so he was on a pretty strong pace. It would have been close to 100 yards if he would have kept that up in the second half. But I didn't think the running game was particularly... Explosive. The passing game had some really big plays, but you take those away. And it really was kind of like a, not the most impressive offensive performance, but I also feel like we're kind of nitpicking right now. I mean, they had 471 yards of total offense. They averaged seven yards per play. Like, And I think part of it is like we know Arizona. I think Arizona actually allows an average 37 points per game. So, like, I think coming in there was sort of a sense of, like, Oregon's going to score, like, 50 points in this game. Right. And, and that didn't happen. I think you predicted 51. I think I had it at, I think I predicted 45, 48. So, like, we both – I think the thought was this was going to be a really high-scoring game, and it didn't turn out that way. And I think the other thought was that, like, Arizona's offense was going to have some success, but that didn't happen. And they started they, they started Grant Gunnell. He wasn't particularly effective, although he was 10 for 14 for 82 yards in the game. They went, they went to Khalil Tate. He had some positive moments running the football but really couldn't do anything passing the football – um, the Arizona offense really never got going. I think a lot of kudos, again, to Andy Avalos' defense. Like I just saw a stat. This is the sixth time this season Oregon has held an opponent um, under 10 points scoring in a game. I think that's the, the, the most times that's happened in a season in program history. So that's an impressive thing. Um, but, yeah, like overall, Oregon wins 34-6, to and I think we're still kind of here like, I'm going to do the game, the game grades tomorrow. I don't know. This isn't going to be like a super highly graded game in my mind just because like, it feels like there was a possibility to do more. And that's what I think is so positive about this this performance is that they didn't play all that well, and yet they still won by 28 points mm-hmm. um, in kind of in dominating fashion. And I, I guess that speaks to just how good this team is if, if they're clicking on all cylinders. You know, Oregon once again held an opponent for the fifth time this season without a touchdown. That's I mean, that's impressive. And yeah, you know, we're what are we? We we are six minutes into this podcast, and I'm now just bringing up the fact that Oregon has won the Pac-12 North. I was just thinking that we probably should talk about that fact because it's kind of the story of the night to a certain degree. Like, regardless of maybe if it scored all of the you know beauty points that you wanted out of this one. Oregon still won the game convincingly, and they're seven on the Pac-12, which means no one can catch them. Yeah, and it means that Oregon will be playing in Santa Clara against, let's just say Utah, more than likely, unless Utah loses. I think their last two games is the only way they no, the, get caught. But the, actually, no, they could lose no, one because USC the, won tonight too. Yes, uh, U, Utah has a one-game lead, but the Trojans have the tiebreaker. So. Uh, if Utah, they play at Arizona next week, I think and, then, Arizona. and then they play. No, it's I'm looking it? at it right now. Okay. You, they're at Arizona, and then uh, then they're at home against Colorado. While USC plays UCLA at home next week for their regular season finale. I don't see Utah losing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. You know, but I, technically, by definition, uh, yeah, yeah. they're still in. They're still in there. There's still a, a possibility. 
uh, that USC can't get into the Pac-12 championship game. But the reality is, is that you know, Oregon's in the North. They've won North. They are in position now to, uh, no matter what happens against Arizona State next week, no matter what happens against Oregon State, they are in the Pac-12 North championship. And Cristobal said that they have to acknowledge that. And, you know, uh, some of the players, you know, Troy Dye in particular said that. He was here for the four and eight season, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, going. He saw, you know, the, the program at its lowest point, and they've now ensured that they will have a one game playoff at worst to play in the Rose Bowl. And I think that's, you know, for a bunch of the older guys on this team that are redshirt juniors and that are that are seniors or that are redshirt seniors, they have gone through three coaching changes. They have gone through a four and eight season. They have gone through a lot, mm-hmm. and it was at a point when they showed up, and it was it was the standard that you win the Pac-12 North every year at Oregon. That was the standard when sure. they, when they showed up, and obviously the last few years that hasn't been the case, and so they're leaving uh, on a note in which they've kind of restored order, if you will, at Oregon for at least a season. And it's worth noting that. Oregon is basically guaranteed to finish with more victories than they did last year, which continues that trend dating back to that 2015 yep. or 2016 season. Sorry, when they won four games, um, it's a trend that, like, honestly, feels like. I mean, it's, I guess it's hard to win. If they, they could win 12 or 13 games technically this season, so it's hard to say that that trend should continue going forward. But like, you certainly feel like this program is just kind of getting started under Mario Cristobal, and a lot of credit to him for for getting this thing turned around. I, you know, and I think you look back to when. He was promoted. I don't know if everybody was, at least on the exterior, was like fully sold in this. Obviously, the players petitioned. They wanted him to be the head coach, and it's good for you know, smart on their part. They they saw it. They had you know, they had first row seats to, to see what he he meant to this program, and he, he has this team rolling right now. Uh, you know, nine straight wins. I don't know if we necessarily expected that back in August 31st in Dallas that we thought we would be talking right now about a team that hasn't lost since that game. Um, and so that's super important in terms of just acknowledging that, you know, and just in the big picture of this season, this is a run that you can be awfully proud of. And um, let's talk a little bit about the defense, just because I think we both knew coming into this game that, like, Arizona's defense was awful, but their offense was pretty good. I think they yeah. ranked fifth in the conference, 41st nationally. Like, those are pretty strong numbers. And yet they came out and, and really never challenged a score. I mean, they had a couple drives that got close to the goal line. But um, this defense, once again, and after a couple weeks where it was kind of hit or miss and they had some rough moments, especially I think that Washington State game at times against Washington. But this was a really, really strong performance. And again, like we talked about it all week, like we didn't know what was going to be the starting quarterback for Arizona. They played both of them probably almost equally once you kind of look at the way the game plays out, and I don't think either of them were particularly effective. I mean, they combined for 132 yards passing. They only ran for 108 yards. Um, I think this defense, once again, showed why they are so talented. And also, six sacks, nine tackles for loss, a forced fumble. They broke up five passes. I mean, this was a really, really strong performance from Andy Avalos's group. And nine tackles up, for loss. Nine tackles for loss. And coming off a of bye week, yep. but both teams shared – um, I think kudos to them for, for making the right adjustments and, and getting Oregon in position to, to, again, to shut down a really good offense uh, on, on Arizona's side. Yeah, four quarterback hurries, five pass breakups, one forced fumble, nine tackles for loss for a loss of 36 yards, six last, six sacks for a loss of 24. Didn't uh, force a turnover. Didn't force a turnover, though. That's 
kind of unique. Yeah, a little un, yeah, unusual. Unusual for, for this Oregon defense. To, but, lo- to lose the turnover battle, I think that's the first or second time that's happened all year. Uh, Bryson Young had a really good game for Oregon. Seven tackles, half, half sack, one and a half tackles for loss. Kayvon Thibodeau had another really good game for Oregon. Uh, four tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, including that one play on that run where he just pulverized the, run, the running back for a yeah. five-yard loss. And, and he had at least a couple others where he was back there and, and was just a step off of getting there. And I think he has five and a half sacks in the last six games. So it was Mace Funa early on. I remember we were talking on the podcast about how Mace Funa was maybe a step ahead of Kayvon. And mm. over the last six weeks, it's Kayvon. It's, it's been Kayvon. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in all, just you know, a really good win for this Oregon team. They improved to nine and one on the season. Uh, they have two games remaining left on the schedule: a road game to close out their road slate at Arizona State next week. Eric and I will both be there for that one, and then they close out shop at home November thirtieth against the Oregon State Beavers in the Civil War in a game in which we now know, no matter what you know happens, the, the Beavers are going to be playing for bowl eligibility yeah. because they are five and five. Uh, after winning at home against Oregon State, they go to Washington State this weekend. So we could be seeing a civil war in which it's a winning team against a winning team or a, a team uh, in Oregon that's clinched the North playing against a, uh, an Oregon State team who wants to get to a bowl game and has to beat Oregon. So it, some added intrigue into it, that game. I know, and we should mention that Oregon State is still in second place in the Pac-12. They're, they're still a game ahead of Washington. Yeah. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think that Washington State team is going to be tough. In fact, I think Washington State's running back came out and guaranteed, guaranteed a win. that they would beat Oregon State. Uh, that game's in Pullman. But, like, a lot of credit. To, I know this is an Oregon podcast, and Oregon fans obviously aren't big Oregon State fans. But I think a lot of credit to, the, to what they've done this season, winning five games already. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this is that, that final game uh, on the 28th, I believe it is. Or, no, the 30th, sorry. 28th Thanksgiving uh, is going to be, I think, maybe a little bit more interesting than we thought. I don't, I mean, I don't think either of us really took that game for all that seriously. And like, I don't think Oregon's going to lose. I think Oregon will probably win pretty handily. But the fact that there'll be some injury coming into that, that'll be the first time in a while that that'll have been the case. Uh, real quick before we wrap this up, injury notes: um, C.J. Verdell had what was called a stinger or hyperextended his elbow. Cristobal said he. He just didn't want to play in the second half because he didn't have full feeling in his arm. Probably a good idea. Pretty, probably a good idea. Uh, did regain full feeling in his arm by the time the game was over. Uh, and then he said Bryson Young had some kind of minor injury but would should what, be okay. Wasn't too serious, wasn't, like he said. Wasn't anything yeah. serious at all. As for Micah Pittman. Yeah, we haven't talked about yeah, that. Yeah, Chris the ball didn't know. Everyone saw it. Did not look good. He's like, I wish I had an answer for you. We're still running tests. But it, he did acknowledge it's not looking good. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, you don't want to speculate too much on injuries, but I have a hard time seeing Micah Pittman finishing out the regular season, at least, uh, it, with the injury that he suffered in that first half. And that's just unfortunate for a guy that came back after another injury and fought through it, looked like he'd turned a corner health-wise, productivity-wise, and now is... Nicked up again. Yeah, I'm fully expecting Monday's Mario Cristobal press conference to have Cristobal say he's done for the year. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I meant. It looked like he broke something in his arm. It was pretty gnarly. And like you said, rough, rough luck for him. You feel for him. He just started to kind of play at a high level, scored a couple touchdowns the last couple of weeks, and uh, goes down really close to the end zone. I mean, he almost scored on that play as well. Um, and for those interested in terms of, like, could he still use a redshirt year? I think he's played now. I think I looked at it. He's now played six games, so he's over the four-game threshold. Matt and I were talking about it. They could petition for, like, an injury waiver. I don't know what the likelihood of that is, but 
Um, yeah, my guess is that next year he'll be will be his sophomore season in terms of eligibility. And, and again, that's a bummer because this is a really talented player, and he had moments this year. But I, I still think we didn't quite see the the tip, the top of what he can do. It's going to do it for us on the Odds and Audible's podcast. For Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Prem. thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Adios, amigos.